Father, we thank you. We thank you for what Easter represents. I'm thankful that we don't get to just come in this room and celebrate the resurrected Savior once a year. We celebrate him 365 days a year. Every morning we wake up because, with hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that you have been pleased with our worship this morning. And I pray that your now would be upon us as we open your word. May we be encouraged with the news of Easter. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said. I mean, I love Easter, but I'm telling you, this is one of the weirdest um, holidays for me because I feel like the church tries to make this day such a big day. And I don't understand what's, I know what's symbolic about Easter, but he comes out of the tomb. I mean, he came out, he never went back in. This is something we celebrate every Sunday together when we gather in this room. And it's something we celebrate every day in our lives. And so I just want to pray one more time, and it'll be a short prayer, but um, I, listen, we planned for six or seven songs today, so I planned accordingly with my sermon, so it's not long, okay? I'll get you to the Easter dinner before everybody else. But I just, I feel like the few things that I want to say this morning are going to be so, so impactful in our hearts and in our lives, especially if you're here this morning and you're hurting and you're struggling and you're asking questions of why and how. How do I get out of this? How do I come out of this? So let's just a quick moment ask the Spirit of God just to move upon our hearts. May your words come alive to us as we again recount the scriptures of the resurrection. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to start by just asking, have you ever received news that was so life-altering that in a moment, in that moment, everything changed and your life would forever be different. Have you ever received that kind of news? Because nothing, come on, you know this, nothing prepares you for that kind of news. My moment my family's moment was sitting in a doctor's office with my mom and hearing the doctor say the words brain cancer, aggressive, inoperable, incurable. I hadn't experienced many moments of like, like that because I've had a very, very blessed life. But that day, that news and the implications of all that would follow was crushing. We would watch mom over the next days, months, years fade daily. There was nothing we could do about it. It would leave us feeling numb at times. We were afraid. We felt helpless most days. It was devastating. And we're not alone in knowing what it feels like to get that kind of news, are we? Because many of you in this room know exactly what devastating news feels like. Troy, I hate to do this, but it's gotta come down a little. There's a ringing. Do you guys hear a ringing? Yeah, it's, I feel like I'm gonna start screaming here in a minute. It's Easter, so we're gonna have to bring it down just. 
Many of you in this room remember the moment you received that news. You can still hear those words that forever has changed your life. And you remember the feelings that I just described of you were crushed, you were numb, you were afraid, you maybe felt helpless and hopeless. Well, I wanna encourage you this morning. We are not the only ones that have felt that way. That was the same feelings that Jesus' closest followers, his family and his friends, as they watched Jesus be crucified, it's the same feelings they felt on that very first Easter Sunday morning. Because their son, their friend, their Messiah, their hopes and their dreams had been arrested on Thursday night. And by Friday night, he had been executed and buried in a tomb. And everything happened so fast that the people closest to Jesus was shocked. They were confused. They were polarized by fear. You'll see that in a moment. Their world was turned upside down. They were devastated. Guess what? They woke up on that very first Easter Sunday morning still broken, still crushed, still devastated because they woke up on that first Easter Sunday morning expecting Jesus to still be dead. Nobody, no one was waiting at the tomb believing there was gonna be a resurrection. Nobody expected Jesus to come back to life. Everyone assumed Jesus would do what deceased people do, stay dead. Here's how that story unfolds. Now, I love what I'm doing today. I've, I've preached Easter for probably 15, 16 years. And I usually just stick with one account. We're gonna be all over Mark and Luke and John, and we're gonna get a clearer picture of exactly how this thing unfolded as they each tell it from their point of view. I wanna start in Mark 16, verse one. I'm just preparing you so if you don't wanna keep up with Bible sword drill, you can take notes and go home and study them later. But in Mark chapter 16, verse one, this is how it begins to unfold. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus's body. The reason, again, before we go on, the reason, again, they are doing this is because everything happened so fast. They didn't even have time to give Jesus a proper burial because everything happened in less than 24 hours. He was arrested, he was tried, he was crucified, he was buried, and then they were up against the Sabbath. And so as soon as the Sabbath was over, they went out and got the spices so they could now hopefully give Jesus a proper burial. But in verse two, there's this concern. Very early on Sunday morning, just as sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way there, here's what they were asking each other. Who's gonna roll away that really big stone from the entrance to the tomb? I love their faith. They didn't know how it was, they were, just, they were on their way just hoping somebody was gonna show up and help move that stone. And I don't wanna sound like a broken record here. But again, by all accounts, it would seem that these ladies were expecting Jesus to still be dead. Because again, nobody was expecting or assuming a resurrection, nobody. Verse four, but as they arrived, 
they looked and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robe sitting on the right side, and the women were shocked. Now, that's probably an understatement. These women showed up expecting to find the dead body of their friend, Jesus, and instead they find themselves face to face with an angel from heaven. Not exactly what they were expecting. Now, we're gonna come back to this conversation at the very end in just a few minutes, but here's what you need to know for now. Even after the angel's conversation, even after the angel told them that Jesus is alive, they didn't believe it. How do we know that? Because look at John's account, John chapter 20, verses one and two. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and she found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Okay, John's talking about himself here. He's quite the character. And here's what she said to Peter and John. They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. And worse, we don't know who they are. Luke records this in Luke 24, 11. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. Okay, but back to John 20, Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb and they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, every time I read this text, I have to stop and just, it's, it's, it's funny to me because John wrote this exactly how I would have wrote this. Listen, no other writer in the gospel accounts of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ thought it important enough to share that John had outran Peter to the tomb. But John found it important to share that information because John won. (laughs) Isn't that funny? We were both running, but hey, the one Jesus loved, he's a little faster. Yeah, that's how I would have wrote it. In Luke 24, 12, here's how Luke writes it. However, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. Now, John probably reads this later and goes, hello, Luke, the one whom Jesus loved ran too, but he leaves that part out. And here's what John says. Peter's stooping in, he peers in and he sees the empty linen wrappings. And notice, he went home wondering what had happened again. No one, no one was assuming yet that Jesus was alive. Even with an empty tomb, no one was celebrating a resurrection because come on, we know this, dead people stay dead. So if Jesus didn't walk out of the grave, somebody carried him out of the grave. So now these people, these followers, these friends, the family of Jesus, not only are they grieving the death of their friend, but they are also freaking out and stressing out because someone has stolen the body of Jesus. That first Easter doesn't sound a whole lot like our Easter's, do they? There's no hunting of Easter eggs. There's no eating of Easter ham. There's no churches full of people celebrating a resurrection. It sounds more like chaos, confusion, and devastation. It sounds a whole lot like some of our stories, doesn't it? Back in... John's gospel, chapter 20, verse 19. 
John says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Makes sense. If the Jewish leaders had killed the leader, surely it's open season on the followers of the leader, right? So they're hiding behind locked doors Sunday evening. We're hours into this Easter celebration at this point. And they're still polarized by fear, hiding for their lives. Again, we're way into Easter Sunday now. Jesus has been alive for hours. Lots of events have unfolded and the disciples are still hiding and confused. And the rest of verse 19 says, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. And here's what he says, peace be with you. I love that because Jesus speaks peace into their hurt, peace into their fear, peace into their brokenness, peace into their anxiety, peace into their hopelessness. And as he spoke, verse 20, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And the reason why John doesn't record it, but you read the other gospels, the reason why he had to do that is because they still didn't believe he was alive. The other accounts say they, they thought they were seeing a ghost. And Jesus goes, come here. Touch, touch, touch the nail scarred hands. Touch the side where they drove the sword. And finally, finally, they got it because the rest of verse 20 says they were filled with joy when they finally saw the Lord. Took them a while to get there. Takes us a while to get there. It took them a while to get there, but when they did, their sorrow was replaced with joy and their fear was replaced with peace. And they would go on to boldly tell the story of their resurrected Lord from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to DeSoto. This message of the resurrected Christ would turn the world upside down. In fact, most of these disciples that were hiding in fear of the Jewish leaders here in our story will go on to lay down their lives gladly as martyrs telling the story of a resurrected Lord. That's the events of the very first Easter that looks much different than our Easter. And by the way, just to make sure we're clear on this, every single one of these disciples who became martyrs staring in the face of death, not one recanted their story of a resurrected Lord. Every one of them, I believe, in the face of the cross or in face of the sword, you can almost hear their last words, he is risen. Do what you have to do, he is risen. If the events of this first Easter are true, if Jesus did in fact die and come back to life, then we cannot dismiss its ramifications for us today. You don't have to like the scriptures. You don't have to agree with the scriptures. You don't have to read or obey the scriptures. But if Easter is true, you cannot deny the scriptures. Because if true, the event of Easter makes scriptures true and gives us hope beyond the deepest, darkest pain that this world can serve us. And there have been some deep, dark pains in this room. 
But I want to come full circle back to Mary Magdalene for just a moment. In Mark chapter 16, Martha, again, remember, she's looking into the tomb and she's shocked by what she sees and what she hears because it's not, it's not what she expected to see and hear. And in verse six, it says this. The angel says, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. The most powerful and life-altering words you and I will ever hear is not disease or tragedy or death. They are those three words from the angel here, Mark 16, 6. He is risen. As crushing as bad news can be with the devastation that we experience from it, there is no news there is no news that is fully life-crushing because the worst of news is swallowed up in the angel's news. He is risen. I thought the worst day with mom would be the day that I heard the news that she was dying and there was nothing that we could do, but I was wrong. The worst day was her last day. I'll never forget this the sound of walking into her room and hearing that the most gruesome sound of her gasping for air. Never forget that. I, I will never unhear that. It's changed, by the way, it's changed the way that I visit people in the hospital. It happened with Terry and it happened with Harold. I walk into the hospital and see somebody suffering now, I just start crying. I used to be able to pray with them and leave without crying and now I can't, like it brings up all of these Emotions of our experience. The gasping was overwhelming and it was, it was in that moment, and I've shared this once before, but it was in that moment, I, I was crushed. I was back to feeling helpless and hopeless sitting on the couch, but I, I do remember praying, God, just take her. You know, there is that moment, you, you stop praying, God, heal her, like temporarily here on earth so we can still, and you're like, just take her. Like heal her permanently. Like I know it's gonna hurt for a while, but Anything's better than what we're watching and experiencing right now. And somehow, sitting there on that day, in that moment, on that couch, I was encouraged by the Spirit in that moment because sitting there, feeling helpless, praying for God to do something, the Holy Spirit reminded me that in that horrific moment, and it was, it's the most horrific moment of my life, but in that horrific moment, my mom had eternal life waiting for her beyond her suffering. And it was only because Jesus suffered and died and rose again. I sat there in the living room wondering if that horrible gasping sound was the same last sounds of our Lord on the cross, struggling for air. And I prayed on that couch, thank you, Jesus for your suffering so that I can look past this moment of suffering with hope. His gasping for air gave my mom and gave all of us in this room hope beyond our suffering. And then mom did take her last breath and she fell asleep. And I believe with all of my heart, she woke up in the presence of God because the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And my hope of that and my confidence in that is only possible because he is risen. 
No matter how bad the news is for you, church, no matter how hard life becomes for you, there are better days ahead, I promise. And the only way I can promise that is because the scriptures say he is risen. And because he has risen, we will too. Can we end with Paul's words that he penned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where he says this, when our dying bodies have been transformed into the bodies that will never die, when, not if, but when, <laughs> the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ, who was victorious over sin and death. So I think the way we end our time together today is we're gonna sing but I think we need to declare something together. So I want you to stand with me, all right? And I want you to say some things with conviction because I'm gonna just, we're just gonna declare this because we believe it to be true. But to the broken, he is risen. Okay, you, you repeat, you say he is risen. To the hopeless, he is risen. To the sinner, he is risen. To the hurting, he is risen. To the victim, he is risen. To the guilty, to the addicted, he is risen. to the abused, he is risen. to the oppressed, he is risen. to the depressed, he is risen. to the diseased, he is risen. to the dying, he is risen. it's getting real, to the Republican, he is risen. to the Democrat, he is risen. to the gay, he is risen. to the straight, he is risen. to the rich, he is risen. to the poor, he is risen. to the black, he is risen. to the white, Death, where is your sting? Hell, where is your victory? Praise God forever. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. We're thankful that we can gather in this room and no matter how broken our stories are, and there are broken stories, no matter how hurt, broken, betrayed, depressed, afraid, we are. It doesn't change the fact, it doesn't change the truth that you have risen. And that is good news for everyone who will receive it. it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what you are doing. The truth is we have hope beyond our suffering. We have hope beyond our death. We have hope beyond our grave because you walked out of the grave and you have risen. It's in name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen.